Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Over 5 million people play football in the USA and here to bring it to you in the raw, uncut, unadulterated is the undisputed number one sports show in Atlanta and abroad. 100 yards of football live from headquarters. It's more than a game, more than a show. It's where football blends culture, economics, and society. Tap in, tune in, and lock in to 100 yards of football now. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to join today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Welcome to 100 Yards of Football. And tonight is our legend segment. And ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have an Oregon legend and we have an Atlanta Falcon legend quarterback, first round pick in the 1987 draft, 13th pick overall, Chris Miller. Chris, welcome to the show, buddy. Bobby Butler, it's good to see you, brother. It's been it's been too long, my man. It's been too long. You look you look fantastic. I appreciate the uh, awesome uh, introduction. Well, too long, too long. I tell you what, I think about you, man. I start smiling, man, because you know, back in the, in the at the end of my career, we had some good times, man. You know, um, in the '90s and the beginning of the '90s and things, and so it, it was a great yeah. time, to, you know, to be a pal. Yeah, we did. We uh, we kind of went through some of the, the tough Falcon times. I remember when I got drafted there, I think they had three winning seasons in 23 years. And exactly, right? <laughs> then we got the two legit to quit crew going and made the playoffs a couple of times and and, uh, and uh, had a great time doing it, man. So We, we had a great time. I, I tell you, you know, my 12 years in Atlanta, you know, I came in 1981, the year, the previous year, they went 12-4 and four, and they yeah. lost the Cowboys in the um, – I think in the um, NFC West Championship, NFC West right? Championship game, right? Twenty-eight, twenty-seven. Yeah, it was a close game, and you know, I thought they had, I, I thought they had, if not the best team, one of the best teams in the league at that time. Yeah. And so when I get drafted, man, I'm all excited. It's like, man, I'm going to the Upper Rising Squad, man. Yeah. Dude, we lost nine games the first year. <laughs> oh man! Oh man! But you know, I'm honest to say this though, I never looked at my teammates and thought that you know we had bad players. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We we had the talent. Um, I, I think, you know, in my in my twelve years, I played for five different head coaches. Thank yeah, a lot of turnover. A lot of turnover and a lot of rebuilding. And you know, when you're rebuilding all the time, you know, it's yeah, gonna, it's going to be tough to win. I think with you know, I think back in those days, there were kind of the haves and the have-nots in terms of organizations, and mm-hmm. 
you know, Atlanta's kind of had a, a history of they, they, you know, the, the arrow would point up for a year, mm-hmm. you know, a few years back, they were 13 and three, went to the Super Bowl, and then they kind of fallen off the map. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, they haven't had that sustainability or maybe that roster depth or maybe invested in right. those top free agents to fill out that back end of the roster. But we had some dudes on the squad, that's for sure. Now, we're going to talk about that. Well, let's talk about you. Um, let's start with you growing up and you were born in California. Yeah. All right. But you, you moved to Oregon at a young age. And you became an Oregon icon. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I think Maybe like you in Tallahassee, Florida, probably, right? Well, I think when you uh, when, when I think about Oregon football, for me, it's always been this way. I'm at, I'm at this age, so when I think about Oregon football, Chris, you know the first two people I think about. Who's that? Dan Fouts and Bobby Moore. Oh, nice, nice. Those are two legends in the early 70s. Yeah, two legends. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, Dan was such a great quarterback in the league, too, man. I mean, he just lit it up. Yeah. We we drafted you at a great time. You know, we were were over the Barkowski era. You didn't play with Bart, but then David Archer came in and filled in for a year. Yeah. And then you got drafted. And um, it was an exciting time, man. You know, the talent that we were bringing in was exciting. Um, but I think what really took us over the top, we had young talent, but then we brought in Jerry Glanville. Yeah. You know, who's a different kind of a coach. No doubt. You know, full of energy, exciting, you know, the the, the music in the locker room, blasting. And that the young guys loved that, right? You know, I was so old at that time, I couldn't stay in the locker room. I had to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> that music would make your head hurt before the game, huh? Yeah. So, so anyway, so let's, let's talk about you growing up on the West coast. Um, always want to play football. I know you played two or three different sports growing up. Yeah, I was a football, baseball, basketball guy. It was, it was probably my third favorite sport back in the day. You know, when we moved up from California, my parents moved us up from Cali when I was seven and my sister was probably about 14 and, and mm-hmm. uh, the smog would get us down there all the time. We'd come oh, home wow. coughing from school and stuff. Yeah. And, so my dad got in a car, went up I-5 and kind of found Eugene, Oregon and, and uh, found a place where he could op- open up a printing business and such. So we ended up landing in Eugene. Wow. And it was kind of cool because when he first got here, not that far after, he saw in the newspaper that Ford pump, pass and kick oh. uh, advertisements for pump, pass and kick. You know that Andy Reid, the Kansas right. City Chiefs head coach did and Jim Kelly and a whole bunch of us did back in the day. And so that kind of got me introduced to football at a high level. And I had a lot of success. Ironically, the first year I did it, you could do it at ages eight to 13. And the first year I did it when I was eight, I made the national semifinals. Oh, wow. It, it was in Atlanta, Georgia. It was Get in Atlanta, up, Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, crazy. Crazy, that was crazy. I caught the flu real bad when I got there and I, I didn't do great in the competition, but it was kind of cool that I went out there. So, but you know, Oregon's a smaller town. It's not, football's not as serious as, as back right. east or in the south and mm-hmm. or in Texas area and those places. And mm-hmm. But I loved it. But basketball was my first love. I love basketball. And I was going to end up going to college on a basketball and baseball scholarship and doing both. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of uh, tweaked my knee after our state semifinal loss in football. Mm-hmm. And I was getting recruited pretty heavily for football as well. So mm-hmm. I kind of reverted back. And all right, I injured my knee playing football. So I missed most of the majority of my senior year in basketball. Right, so I right, right, right. ended up signing a, a college scholarship at the University of Oregon, staying close to home and playing football. But, you know, Oregon was a great place to grow up, uh, good quality of life, pretty slow, chill pace out here. Mm-hmm. Kind of styles and hip things come here last. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it is what it is, and it's a, it's a nice, chill spot. 
Well, so let me ask you this, though. So growing up, um, when you were seven, six, seven, eight, nine years old. Yeah. Did y'all play street ball? I mean, how, how that's you- all we did. That's all we did back in the day. It was street ball something. Football, baseball, basketball. You'd, you'd line up your bikes in the grass outfield and play baseball. And <laughs> that's all we did. Mom and pops wanted us home about 6, 6.30 for dinner. And other than that, we was out. That's it. Yeah. I, so, I, so it was the same all across the nation, man. Yeah, that was it. That's how we survived. That's how we lived. We loved it. We play in the streets and, oh, here comes a car. Everybody move. Get out the way. <laughs> then we'd go back in and keep playing, whether it was basketball or football right, in the right. street. Yep. Loved well, it. Yeah, well, you know, it's amazing. You know, being from South Florida, right? Yeah. You know, we had one season year-round. I mean, it was hot. And yeah. You know, we did basketball. We did a lot of that stuff. But football was a king sport. And, you know. We did a lot of street track, basically. I mean, we used to race. I mean, it was a big thing. Yeah. A big crowd of people at the corner where there's a light. And we'll be out there getting in all fours and racing, man. Like, yeah. Network, right? We were competitive. You know, I think our era, <clears throat> your era, our era, maybe a little bit after me, we were extremely competitive. So, Absolutely. you know, you do stuff like that, man. Hey, let's go out and run 40s and race and see who's the fastest. Yeah. Or- well, we, we didn't have computers in the home. Yeah, go out, go out and play tackle the ball carrier in a field, and you get twelve dudes out there. You'd have to rock, and you'd have to avoid everybody. They bury you in the ground, and you exactly. you, know, you lose your turn. So that's uh, yeah. We didn't have all the social media and right. video games and all that now. So so cool. So you so you go to Oregon, you play football. So did you um, ever play another sport in Oregon? Yeah, you know, ironically, Oregon didn't have a baseball team back then. I got drafted drafted coming out of high school by the Toronto Blue Jays in the seventeenth round for baseball. Okay. Didn't sign with them. They wanted to get me to give up uh, playing football. And then after my freshman year, I was young enough to play American Legion baseball my freshman year in college. And Oregon didn't have a baseball program. So played really well. I was a fifth-round draft pick by the Seattle Mariners after that uh, baseball season. So I ended up uh, Seattle, bought out my football scholarship at Oregon. Okay. So it allowed me to go ahead and play minor league baseball since Oregon didn't have a college team. So, wow. uh, and, and like a, a, a few days after I signed my contract, Bobby, I got a $40,000 contract, uh, <laughs> went out to meet my buddies at a local pub to celebrate and got a wrestling match threw a right hand and broke my hand, dude, broke my hand. Are you hand. kidding me? Are you like kidding four me? Four or five days after I signed my baseball contract, and I had to call John Cole, the agent oh for the Seattle God. Mariners, or one of the, oh one of the uh, baseball people. He was actually on the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt. He's one of the wow. guys sitting down at the couch. Okay. He's a really good dude. Oh, but wow. it broke my heart because I had to call him and say, John, you're not going to believe it, man. I just oh. broke my hand. He's like, you what? <laughs> And, uh, so I missed that summer playing baseball, and I played baseball going into the summer of my senior year in, in mm-hmm. football in college at Oregon, mm-hmm. so I could kind of weigh the two together wow. or against each other. So That's awesome. Well, I knew yeah. he was a great athlete because there's one sport we hadn't mentioned yet about you that I, I just think you were special um, at that. And so when you think about NFL ball players, right, you know, so let's, think of, talk, let's talk about our roster. The whole time, the whole time you played with the Falcons. Yeah. All right. When I call these names, I just want you to tell me, from an athletic standpoint, give me your opinion. Okay. Mike Haynes. Second fastest man in the National Football League behind Daryl Green. He could flat fly. He could flat fly, but he's a great basketball player as well. Yeah, yeah. We had a we had a good hoop team. We had a good traveling hoop team. The hoop team, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, Chris. In 1988, um, he participated in the Olympic trial before he came to training camp mm. in 1988. So, I mean, 
major league speed right there. Oh, he could fly, and Daryl Green could run, and, and they Green. were they were neck and neck. He was yeah. just a natural guy. Yeah. Right. What what about this guy? Bad Moon Rising, Andre Rising. Oh. I, uh, I remember playing basketball with Andre, and I was super competitive in basketball and pretty good. Marcus Cotton and some of those cats. And Andre was a filthy basketball player. I mean, he was awesome. We uh, we played, I think my team won, his team lost, and he was so pissed. The ball was kind of laying around the top of the key after the game, and he went and ran and swooped it up and just in front of the free throw line kind of leaned in and, bam, did a tomahawk dunk <laughs> over his head like Dominique Wilkins used to do. And Dre was only about six foot. And I just, I just dropped. I'm like, dang, did I really just see that? I mean, right, it was impressive. Right. and he was phenomenal on the football field. But he was a great basketball player. I tell you, one of the most athletic guys I ever played with. Um, yeah, yeah. The thing, you know, being a corner, you know, you play against a lot of talent. When you start talking about wide receivers, a lot of gifted guys, right? I and mean, we, we've had our share in Atlanta. Um, but Andre, you know, and bump and run. Th- this is no joke, right? I, I, I consider myself pretty good at bump and run, right? And I was going to always put my hands on you. You were one of the best. I could not. If Andre didn't want me to touch him, <laughs> I'm telling you, man, he, he, was, he was a musician out there, man. And what a great football player. He was, he was extremely, he was the most explosive I've ever seen off the ball, off the ball, in a speed cut in and out of a break. Yes. I mean, he and Isaac Bruce, I played with Isaac Bruce with the Rams his first oh, two okay. years. Uh-huh. But Andre, out of a speed cut, I'll never forget, man, it was the game I had the flu and had 103 fever and missed the first half of the game, came back out for the second half of Green Bay. Mm-hmm. And Green Bay was playing him a trio coverage, playing Andre inside and out. They were double teaming him, so he shouldn't have been able to get open. Right. And he, he ran the most amazing speed cut across the safety's face. I hit him for a touchdown, game-winning touchdown. We beat him 35-31, but there's no way NFL defenders, he ever should have been open. He, he never should have been open. But he was so explosive and so athletic. Oh, my goodness. He, he, he was very explosive, man. Yeah, I, he was. Well, what a great player. Prime time, Deion Sanders. Deion. Deion, to me, was as fast as he ever needed to be, right? I mean, he had that speed on reserve. I never saw anybody catch him. You know, he'd start scissor kicking on punt returns at the 50 yard line, 40 yard line going in, put his hand behind his head. It's a wrap, right? Do the scissor kicking. It's a wrap. We all knew it. And uh, guys would have the angles on him. But uh, I think when he played corner, he was one of those guys. He would always kind of test himself to see how far he could let the wide receiver beat him and then recover and tip it or tip it to himself and pick it. Exactly. When we we go ones via ones, you know. One-on-ones, uh, ones versus ones, O-N-D. And uh, he's as good as I've ever seen. Probably the greatest corner to ever play the game. Well, you know, I, you know, I've seen a lot of corners play the game, right? And, you know, I always thought Mike Haynes oh, yeah. was the best, right? Mike Haynes, Oakland Raider, New England Patriot. Yep. And then playing with Dion up close and personal, being there, of course you got to go away and say he's the best ever. Yeah. Yeah, because Long- – Longevity, three Super Bowls. Stayed healthy. Stayed healthy in his career. But the thing about him, Chris, I, I can imagine if you were game planning against him, right? What the scouting report had to say. Yeah. You know, because be careful. Be careful. Exclamation point, exclamation point. If you're gonna throw it at you that way, be careful. Well, because it's not just gonna be an interception. If he get it, he's gonna put it in the end zone, bro. Yeah, or he's gonna pitch it to someone else who may be he wasn't giving it up very often. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. But okay. I'm missing this guy's name, Mike Rozier. Oh, Rosie. 
<laughs> you know what I you know what I loved about Rosie? I think we only had him for a year or two uh, when we were there. And uh, I just loved Rosie as a human being, man. He was just so fun loving. He was a great jovial, player. fun to be around, won a Heisman trophy. I mean, how many dudes do you play I with that won a Heisman? That, right. You know, had a great career and we got him in the tail end of his career. And uh, he was playing great for us. Matter of fact, we went to play the Washington Redskins in the second round, divisional round in the playoffs. Huh. And unfortunately got himself a little bit of trouble the night before the game. And we had to play with a fullback in the mud and in the rain, but uh, he was extremely talented and just a great teammate. I remember he was a crazy dude, always having fun and laughing and making plane flights fun and everyone, you know, who was around him. He just had that. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Just that everyone would gravitate to him. He was a great dude and very talented and tough. And tough, tough, hard-nosed, physical he, dude. You know, very hard-nosed, physical. I mean, he played in Nebraska back in the old day, right? Yeah. When yep. he, he played with Urban Fryer. You know, he played with some guys. A very tough. Turner guy. Gill, I think, was the quarterback Gill back was then. The quarterback. Yeah. Very tough and physical football players in that era came out of Nebraska. Yep, no doubt. I mean, you think about, you know, we played in Nebraska when I was in college my senior year. I think it was my senior year. And they had um, Jarvis Redwine was a tailback. And, oh, yeah, great name. Uh, Roger Craig was on the roster. And um, what's the fullback? Um, played at Frisco as well. Big, strong guy. Was it Rathman or someone else? Rathman. Yeah, Tom Rathman. Rathman was on. All those yeah. guys were on the <laughs> – yeah. Oh, they had some dudes. I mean, they, they could recruit back in the day, and some of those guys may have been on the juice back in the day. Some of, <laughs> some of the linemen and some of their big dudes, but I remember they uh, – Remember, they were always known for the offensive linemen and their quarterbacks and their running backs. So, Chris, so, so let me ask you this. So you, you got drafted by the Falcons in 1987, and for your first three years, you played um, – uh, you played for – you played for Dan Henning. No, I didn't have Dan Henning. I think my first year, Bobby, was was uh, Marion Campbell. Okay. I remember. Okay. I remember the year before I got there. Y'all went seven, eight, and one. Uh-huh. And uh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And then when I got drafted, that was a strike year in '87. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I worked out with the team a little bit in the spring, but not near as much as they do now. Right. And then I had to get away from it. And then about thirteen or fourteen of those first round guys, we didn't sign till Halloween. Oh, wow. we sign, yeah, we didn't sign till Halloween Day on wow. October 31st in 87. Okay. And the Falcons were 2-7 and seven or 2-8 and eight Wow! by the time I got there. Wow. So I got to know all you guys, and they had the, the scab players that crossed mm-hmm. the picket line and ended up playing the replacement players. Mm-hmm. And then by the time I got there, we were 2-7 and seven and 2-8, and, and half the dudes had their bags packed and were ready for the season to be done. And I was like, dang, this is the NFL? Man, I, I'm excited. Let's go. <laughs> Well, well, I tell you, you came in some tough times, man. I mean, you came in that year, strike season. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, man, you know, it's just life. In 1988, you came in, and uh, a second-round draft choice was killed in a car accident. Man, we had three guys pass away in 17 months. Yeah. And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, two, three weeks after Raph was killed on Thanksgiving evening, it was it Beckman, Brad Beckman? Yeah, Brad Beckman, a tight end. Tight end was killed in a car accident all during no. the football season. It was it was the low. And then Coach Campbell got fired. Yeah. Someone in there. And well, so- you remember we had David Crudup. David Crudup, our defensive Crudup. back, passed away in that period too. He was the first one to go in 88. Yeah, we had three guys in 17 months, man. That was, boy, you talked about hitting home. And, and That was tough. That was that hard. Was, that was well, hard. Ralph Norwood was actually after that Thanksgiving, that team Thanksgiving party out at Swanee, Georgia, man. Right, man. After yeah. that. 
that was tough. It was some lean years, man. But I tell you what, you know, we corralled and, you know, they brought Coast of Glanville in. And yep. it, really, it brought new excitement to our team. And, you know, some of us played for him in the early 80s, right? Yeah. So he was my first coach. Okay. He was a DB coach and D coordinator in 81 and 82. Okay. Well, I didn't know that. I knew he was at Houston prior, but I didn't know he was with you. Yeah, he, he coached me in my first two years. And um, and Shive was on the, on was one of the coaches on the staff. Yeah. Uh, that whole group came back. Nice. You know, they nice. came back. and um, But they made it so much fun. I thought they brought a lot of energy to what we were doing. And and with the evolution of the offensive play in the game, I, mean, I want you to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. You know, everything when I came in was two backs, two wide receivers, tight ends. We ran yep. the ball, we threw when we have to, or in a two-minute or, you know, right before the half kind of like situation. Yeah. But then again, the run-and-shoot offense was developed by June Jones and Miles Davis, right? Yep. And yep. they brought that show with Glanville to Atlanta. And tell me about that um, from your perspective. You know, being a traditional pro offense, yeah. all of a sudden you got this run-and-shoot. It's four wise out here, every down offense. Talk about that. You know, it was really cool, the transition. What was what was cool is we had Jimmy Ray and Rod Dyhauer and Steve Crosby and Jim Hannafin. We had some great offensive coaches and yes. some well-known names in the National Football League. Mm-hmm. And Rod Dyhauer was our offense coordinator. So we were running a derivative of the one-back stuff that Bill Walsh used to run, some of the Don Coriel things that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he ran with Dan Fouts and Kellen Winslow and Charlie mm-hmm. Joyner and, and all mm-hmm. those dudes back in the day. So – it was cool to be in that offense and kind of, you know, familiarize myself with that. And then when Jerry came in, we had Tom Rossley was our offense coordinator in 1990. Right. And he brought the run and shoot. And then he left the next year with Brett Favre to go to Green Bay. And he was Favre's offense coordinator from 91 mm-hmm. for five years after that. Then June right. Jones came in and replaced him. So, right. so I had June in 91, 92, 93. And mm-hmm. uh, it was awesome. You know, we, 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 got personnel to kind of match the scheme. Mm-hmm. We brought in Drew Hill from Houston as a slot mm-hmm. receiver, mm-hmm. kind of a veteran guy. We had Sean Collins, I think, was there, and Michael Haynes. Uh, we drafted Mike Pritchard late in the first round right. in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we had some guys who could flat go. We had some really good running backs. The biggest challenge in that offense that I found, Bobby, mm-hmm. was we had guys like Mike Rozier or Eric Pegram or Steve Broussard mm-hmm. blocking a Pat Swilling a Ricky right. Jackson, a right. Kevin Green, right. Right. Johnson, right. Uh, and we had some DNs in the NFC West. Now. We, had, about it. we had some dudes. So that that was the difficult part because you know they could mug up linebackers and chew up all five linemen and get a line mm-hmm. get a running back tied up on a defensive end, which was a mismatch. It was tough. Right. It was hard to hold the ball long, but it was very prolific. Uh, mm-hmm. It was fun. You know, we made the second round of the playoffs uh, in Jerry's second year there, and. Mm-hmm. Had a chance to go the following year when we were five and three and, and playing well. Then I tore my ACL. Unfortunately, I think we finished six and ten that year. But mm-hmm. but uh, Jerry brought a lot of excitement, like you said, Bobby. I mean, he he. I think it, the culture at that time, Atlanta mm-hmm. was ready for something unique and different. Right. And Jerry kind of uh, got along well with everyone. And then Deion mm-hmm. Sanders came in and right. Ray Rise, and we had some personalities. So I think it was a very vibrant time. Right. You know, in 90, 91, 92, right in there, and it was sure fun to be a part of, man. I tell you, what, it was a lot of fun, especially for me because I was at the end. Your last year, Bobby. When did you retire? My, my last season was I played one year in the Georgia Dome, so the '92 season was my okay. last season. 
Okay. So I got, I got a chance to stand on the sideline in 92, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you were playing 91. We, I think we went in there and played the second half of the season in 91 in the Dome. Yep. 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 So we, um, it, it was, um, it, it was a great time for me. I, for me, it was a great way to go out because it, it had been so bad for so long. Right. I mean, we, we never had a winning record. And then in 91, we had that great year, you know, and, and from a defensive standpoint, I mean, if you look at what we had, especially in the secondary, oh, talking about Brian Jordan. Yeah. You know, you're talking about Tim McKayer, you're talking about Dion and, and Scott Case. Scott Case. Listen, Scott Case, this is what I really believe about Scott Case. The best DB in Falcon history. Oh, wow. That's saying, wow. That's saying and something. The reason I say that. Yeah, that's saying something. Is because he was an all pro at corner. You know, and that same year he played nickel. He had ten picks that year wow. in '88, and he probably had more picks at nickel. Now I'm gonna tell you something. I was a cover guy, but I didn't want to play nickel. Yeah, nickel's hard, man. You got to cover two directions, bro. That's a hot seat. That's yeah. too much to cover, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially with the talent in the NFL. Yeah. So, and then you Im- imagine playing for Jerry Glanville, and you're playing nickel, and all you're doing is blitzing every down. Yeah, and then he went to free safety, man. Exactly. And he played free safety so later in his career. He was a killer free safety. I mean, he knocking people out. He was one of the toughest guys in the league, man. One of the few white corners at that time. One of the few white corners. And one of the most competitive people that I know. Yeah. Great. A- uh, we had, we, I think we had four guys from Oklahoma, and they were all ballers. We did. They're all ballers, right? Tough dudes. I, I got massive respect for Scott Case. I got to tell you this. So when I first get, got in the locker room in 81, I was talking smack to everybody. <laughs> you know, I, I went to Florida, Florida State swag. I went to Florida State, and we yeah. beat everybody in the locker room. Nobody in the locker room could say they beat us, right? <laughs> nobody, right? And the, Nebraska, nobody. And then in 84, we got Scott and Rick Bryan and, and, and Benson, and they came in, and I was like this, quiet. Because they beat us twice. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. They, they beat me back-to-back Orange Bowls my junior and senior years. So wow, wow, that's crazy. Y'all were getting paid. Y'all had those bags of money, those $100,000 handshakes. I know they were rolling like that in Oklahoma. Shoot. Hey, listen, oh, Oklahoma was a whole different deal. I mean, <laughs> the whole roster was from, from Texas or Miami, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. So, yeah, but it, it, it was it, it was fun time. So, so let's talk about you, man. I mean, you're just a great, you're a great athlete. I mean, you, you did a little bit of everything. I appreciate that. You played baseball, but talk about that golf game you got. That, that was wicked, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you know, because, so, all right. So, and then the other thing is, seemed like every quarterback was a great golfer. What was what was behind that? You know, I hadn't, I hadn't played golf in three and a half months. I, I got, during COVID, I had like four bodies, four surgeries to kind of get my body right. So, right. I just had my meat cleaned up while I went out the other day and shot two under par 70 at Eugene Country Club. That's crazy, man. I think you go back out and you're relaxed and you're really not thinking about it. You just swing free and easy. And and I played pretty good. But I think, you know, a lot of us QBs, we were, you know, good athletes back in the day. Most quarterbacks are pretty athletic guys, multi-sport guys. But one of the things that was really cool too, Bobby, is during the off-seasons back then, all the, a bunch of the big-name quarterbacks would have charity golf tournaments during the off-season. Ah, okay. so I'd go playing John Elway's, Dan Marino's, Bernie Kosar, Boomer Esiason, wow. Jim Kelly's, 
right. Chris Collins, we had tournament, Jim Everett down in Palm Springs. I mean, mm-hmm. so we go to seven or eight golf tourneys, you know, over the spring. And that was kind of like our tour, you know, we were <laughs> going and playing golf at all these sweet spots, helping oh them raise money for their charities. And, and then there was a celebrity golf tournament that we all played in. And, wow. and so Billy Joe Tolliver, one of our teammates, you know, in Atlanta, uh, when we were there, he was a great golfer. Matter of fact, I think he won the Lake Tahoe celebrity golf tournament once or twice. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So he's a good one, but we all just, you know, I mean, we didn't have to get beat up as much as the bigger guys, maybe a little bit more loose, a little bit more limber, good hand eye. Right, right. It lent itself well wow. to golf. And, well, because uh, I came in the league in 81 and Barkowski and Joe was good. good. Mark was good. June was good. June was a good player. Yeah, one of my favorite foursomes out there was me, Bart C. Barkowski, June Jones, and Billy Joe Tolliver down playing down there at Peachtree Peachtree Country Club and the Honors. The Honors down there in downtown Atlanta before they fixed that all up. Yeah, no, we all could play pretty well. That was a great match. So here's what I remember uh, when you were here playing golf. You know, you and I were on the golf course a few times together. Oh yeah, and, and I'll be hiding. And um, I remember that one day we were on the tee box, and um, you looked at my bag because I had everything right. I, I bought this, I bought these clubs from Luckhurst's wife, right? Oh yeah. When she was on the tour, so I got a, got so I got I have a pink bag with my name on it. That was a that was a mistake. If you, if you can't play. If you can't play, don't put your name on the bag. You got to have game if you got your name on your bag. You got to have game, right? so, so I remember you going in my bag, looking around, and you saw my one iron. Which I never oh, used. I never yeah. used it. Jack Nicholas is one of the only guys who could ever hit a one iron. And you hit my one iron farther than anybody can hit a driver. I go, yeah. this is insane, man. I loved a one iron. I remember I had a ping one iron for a long time. That was my <laughs> my safe club, my accurate club off the tee box. Yeah, not many people had one irons back then. Well, so tell me this now, and and here's a legend. Here's your golf legend, right? Here. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Chris's golf legend, right? Here. He's playing with the Falcons. He got an opportunity to play at the Masters, all right? Yeah, four times I and played you, down there. I was blessed. The first time you played there, you were three over? Yeah, I shot 75, yep, 75. And then you, I never get you saying this. You could have went scratch, but you was in this club three times. <laughs> I tell you, the hardest thing out there is, man, is, is putting. Putting those greens, sometimes you think the thing might break left, and, right, and your right. caddy tells you it goes the other way, and it's hard to believe. And wow. those greens are extremely tough to putt. Wow. Last time I played there, my fourth and last time mm-hmm. I played there, I birdied Amen Corner, Bobby. I birdied 11, wow. 12, and 13. Wow. I parred 14, so I got back. I was even par going to 15 T, and all the caddies started coming down the hill from the clubhouse down mm-hmm. 9 and 18 hill down there. Mm-hmm. down to 15 tee box which is a par five and i'm rolling i got the adrenaline going i know i'm gonna hit a big drive and mm-hmm. knock it on in two and maybe get a birdie and go one under <laughs> anyways they took everyone off the golf course and said hey man there's a storm like 45 minutes out oh, you, you know how those storms used to roll in about 3 right, right. o'clock in the afternoon right. wow. and we're like no we got to go up there so we had to go up and wait in the clubhouse and, and the skies just opened up and ruined the entire Hey, so I got it back to even par through 14, but then we had to shut it down. So you almost had a Caddyshack moment where you weren't going to go. Yeah, we couldn't go back out. There was lightning, and then, then we, we rented a, a van, and my dad and two of my buddies that were with me were driving back, and there's cars hydroplaning off, oh, yeah, yeah, off yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the highway the whole way. So it was one of those nasty storms. That's it was crazy. Well, yeah. well, I got I to tell you this. I had several opportunities to go to a Masters and never did. Um, oh man! For whatever, for whatever reason, right? If you get the chance, you need to go. 
Now, it's one of the most amazing spectator events ever. Well, I got a chance to go a few years ago. You, you're going to love this, right? So my son, Bryce, he plays golf now, right? Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, you got to catch up with him and play with him one day. Oh, I'd love to. I'll get out there and we'll play together. Bryce um, um, invited us to the Masters with him. So we go over on the last day, right? And so, no, we went the whole week, but we stayed in this room, this Airbnb, and we watched it on TV. So I picked, and so he had tickets for us to go every day, right? So his wife will go in one day and we stay in the, in the house. So I went the last day. Bruh, I went and Tiger won. That's the last time Tiger won. The field. Oh, the, his last one? Oh, my God. I was oh, my God. That's Chris, one of the most historic sporting events ever. Chris, I was there. And oh. it was the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. You got to witness history and the yells, the yells down from Amen Corner and down there and oh, the, the oh, Tiger man. yells compared to everyone else. Everybody else, isn't, I mean, that, isn't that the most amazing piece of real estate and ground on the planet? Listen, beautiful. Man. Yeah, right off Washington Drive, and then you oh, go through Washington. those gates, and it's like, boom, heaven, yeah. golf heaven. What? I'm, that's so awesome. You got to go, and to see well, Tiger win was yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he won it, right? It was incredible. What a, what a moment for me, man. We, we had nice. a great time. We had a Good great for time. you. There with your son, man. That's a lifelong yeah. memory. Oh, boy, yeah. Now, when I left here, when I left the Falcons in, in 92, Bryce was two years old. Matter of fact, I got a picture. <laughs> you, you're going to love this picture. And I'm going to show you this picture. You're going you're gonna to be able to name all the guys in the picture, except probably the little boys. <laughs> and, um, this is my last year, all right, against the Packers in the Dome. Oh, nice. All right. So, nice. of course, you know who 21 is. I'm 23. And Robert Lyles. You see 36. No, that's not Robert Lyles. That's Jesse Solomon. Oh, 54? Yeah. For us? Uh-huh. I think that, that's right. Wasn't that Robert Lyles, our D, D, D tackle? Yeah. Oh. That's Jesse right there. Jesse Solomon. Okay. Right. And see, you see him at 36, Green Bay? You know who that is, right? Oh, yeah. He's in the Hall of Fame now, right? He just went in this past um Yeah. Safety. Yep. Yep. Yeah, the little guy between Jesse and Leroy, number 27 back there, is Terrell Buckley. Okay, Terrell is a Florida State guy. Florida State guy. And then this guy on the end right here is a fullback, Edgar Bennett. Okay. No, he's well. All Florida State guys. Right? Oh, that's awesome. What a great picture. And we couldn't – I don't know what happened to Jamie Dukes that day. I think I had tore my knee in week eight. Like I said, when we were five and three, I tore my knee. So I think I didn't – I wasn't there for that. Right, right, right. Oh, and, then again, and then again, these two guys here, this is my oldest son, Brenton, right? Oh, sweet. That's too bad, J JD. Jamie Dukes didn't get in there. You would have had all the Florida State. I had all of them. And then this is my son, Bryce. Here. He played He played six years in the league. Played what a great Raiders. picture. What yeah, a great yeah. picture. I keep that game. All those, Everybody in that picture was a pro um, pro ball player. That's like awesome. That. All, all ball played basketball. Florida, State, Florida State has churned out some dudes over the years now. Man, back in those days, man, you know, they went through that, that, that period where Coach Bowden was like in the top four for like 15 straight yeah, years. Yeah, unbelievable stretch. You know, unbelievable when you start thinking about the personnel that they had there, man, how can you recruit those kind of guys? Yeah. You know, it took a guy like him to do it, right? It yeah. takes a special somebody to be able to recruit and maintain that kind of talent year in and year out. That was a tremendous program yeah. for many years, for yeah. sure. Hopefully we can get some of it back, right? Yeah, well, the guy, I think the guy there is doing a good job. I know you guys like well, yeah, three, I'm, I'm, three I'm, and I'm, one-ish maybe I'm, right now, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I think, what's the record? Four and one. 
Four and one. Okay, good. Yeah. We just we lost to Wake Forest this weekend. Wake's pretty good. They got a good quarterback, man. They're competitive. Well, you know, they got that crazy offense, man. I mean, they're 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 running plays off like that. Yeah. Their running game, the way they run the ball, the running back, I don't know, I don't know if it has anything to do with him. He's so short. They hold the ball. It's almost like um, they're doing that slow zone read, man. That slow zone read, hard ride, and they do good play action off of it. And you can't see that guy. Yeah, he's small. He's small, and next thing you know, he's he's out ten yards. Yeah, the linebackers can't see him behind the lineman. Can't see him, and so (laughs) and and the quarterback is pretty good. He throws throws the ball well, and they they got a good receiver crew. So yeah, yeah, he's really good. As we can, so. So it, it was good, man. So listen, so Chris, you played 10 years in the league. Um, you, you you hurt your knee a few times, but you had some major concussions at the end, correct? Yeah, yep. Pretty, yep. Much, pretty much put you out and you decided to, to call it a day for yep. 10 years. So going through what you went through, what do you think about the tour situation this past week? Mm. Yeah, it's tough. You know, I had the two ACLs in Atlanta kind of when my career I felt was really ascending. And uh, I hated that, man, because we were playing really well. And and then the concussion bug got me when I went to uh, with the Rams in L.A. and then St. Louis. I had about five and 14 months. And wow. the last one I had, you know, it was that kind of accumulative effect syndrome back in the day. I learned a lot about it back in the day. And, and uh, I think we just witnessed that. I don't think I know that we just witnessed that with Tua because two weeks ago he got one. And yeah. they claimed it was a back, right? It was a back issue. And he wanted to get back out there and the competitor that he is. And and we saw him stumbling on national TV, right? So yeah, he yeah. goes and plays. And, you know, inevitably, you're gonna it's going to happen to you a second time, like hitting a funny bone or banging your knee two times in a row or something. You're going to get, you know, your head's going to get hit again. And, exactly. and he got ragdolled and kind of spun around and hit the back of his head. And you get that contra-coup effect going where your brain mm-hmm. just goes forward and Back right. and forward in your mind. And, and uh, you know, he had something in all the years I've ever watched football. And I've been a football fan forever. I watched NFL mm-hmm. football probably in the mid-70s on in the University of Oregon back in the day. So however many years that is now, 50 years going mm-hmm. on, I guess, mm-hmm. or 45. But mm-hmm. in all the years I've ever watched football, I don't think we've ever witnessed anybody have that effect with their fingers. Fingers, right. And where their arms get locked in that position right. like he was right. in your your toes or feet kind of turn in. I, I read what that was called. I can't recall the name, but mm-hmm. you know, I think it's, uh, I just got chills and goosebumps going yeah. through my body thinking about it. Cause I feel so horrible for him. Yeah, one, tremendous young man. Uh, number two, back in our day, guys like myself, Steve Young, Al Toon, Merrill Hodge, all mm-hmm. of us who had the kind of con- the concussions, the cumulative effects stuff, you know, mm-hmm. Dave Dorison took his life from that. Mike Webster, the old center for the Steelers. And mm-hmm. but now there's so much better knowledge about it, I think they've done an extremely good job of eliminating that second concussion. Right, exactly. That repeat concussion. Right. But in this instance, mm-hmm. uh, they failed miserably. And I think they've identified, I saw the guy got fired. I hate seeing him. Yeah, he, he did. I got fired with the, that evaluated or did the concussion protocol on the sidelines mm-hmm. or whatever. So obviously mm-hmm. they didn't handle that situation how mm-hmm. it should have been handled. Right, right, right. And we saw the adverse effects that Tua had to, to go mm-hmm. through. And he's going to be, I wouldn't be surprised if he's out for a while. A while, absolutely. But, you know, you hate to see him get injured and hurt, but it may have been the best thing right now for them to kind of recircle the wagons back and right. and get back to the severity and the seriousness of mm-hmm. what a concussion mm-hmm. is and really tighten down mm-hmm. the, the screws on how they evaluate it and return to play policies. Right. Well, I, I tell you, I, you know, 
a lot of people don't know the pressures involved with professional sports. And, you know, I can imagine that doctor. I can imagine those coaches. Yeah. We got to get him back on the field, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not an excuse. You still have to do your job. But man, it's a lot of pressure in that um, in that field, and you know, out there like that, and you know, uh, and they were doing so well. I mean, they've been playing. You know, he's been throwing the ball to those two fast guys, man, and they've been ripping it up. And, and he played, played, was playing really well this last game. Made yep. some amazing small window touch throws and was doing right, a great exactly. job until he got that yeah that hit. You know, mm. so he might have gotten mm. away with it, but mm. you know, what I found is I had like six four interception games in my career. Mm-hmm. And after, and five of them mm-hmm. were after I had a concussion the previous week. Wow. And it was really interesting. I never knew it, man. We were 4 0. I was playing with the Rams in 95. Mm-hmm. We were 4 0, first mm-hmm. place in the NFC West. Mm-hmm. Beat Chicago, Sunday mm-hmm. night football. I was NFC player of the, player of the week, offensive mm-hmm. player of the week. Had a great mm-hmm. game. But late in the game, I took an elbow to the temple mm-hmm. and it knocked me out mm-hmm. on the field. I was probably unconscious for 45 seconds or a minute. Mm-hmm. Went off to the sideline, didn't, you know, went through the weekend, whatever. They didn't say anything about it when I went back to the training facility on Monday, Tuesday. Had an off off week of practice. My timing felt funky. I threw four picks in the first half the next week against the 49ers. That's crazy. And I felt like I was playing in MARTA or a tunnel. And things were going by me fast, and I was just moving super slow. But I didn't know any better, man, because we just shook it off and kept playing. Well, it was the era. And so yeah, it was the era, but I ended up hurting my team and hurt my teammates because I right. should have been out there freaking you playing. Right, you shouldn't have been playing, right? Yeah, luckily. I mean, but, you know, and we didn't know what we knew. Yeah, we exactly. Play. So, I mean, yeah. it's just like being uneducated. Because I remember, you know, I got knocked out a few times in my career. But you know, the good thing about corner, a lot of people don't understand this. In the NFL, if a corner makes more than five, six tackles a game, something's wrong with the defense. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. Because in the NFL, a corner's job is one thing: stop that guy on that highway. Yep. You gotta, you, you gotta be a pass defender, right? Yeah. You're the last line of defense. Don't let anybody yeah. get on top of you. Especially back then, we played cover one and cover three. That's that was it, and blitz zero. That's and zero, right? Yep. And, and with Glanville, it can be third and twenty-five, and it's cover zero. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. We call sure. it a blitz. We're gonna hit the quarterback. Yeah. If he feel the quarterback is a little timid and don't want to be hit, we're going after the quarterback. You've already won. Yep. You've already won. You already beat him. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, so, so, so you get away with it. I can remember games that um, they had to carry me off the field and, you know, they give me the smelling sauce and all that kind of stuff and do their little protocols back then. But yeah. five, five, 10 minutes later, I'm back in the game. Yeah, you think about linebackers, you know, Tommy Nobis and guys who used to play back in the day. And right. and I remember uh, Harry Carson played linebacker for the New York Giants. I think he said he thought he had about like 34 concussions or something in his career, right. some right. astronomical number. Well, so. well, I, I tell you, this is the thing that scared me, right? When they were doing all the first concussion awareness stuff, talking about it, talking about what we didn't know at our time. When they said this, Chris, it scared the daylights out of me. They said, well, you know you're concussed every time you see stars. Hmm. So now I can't count how many times I've been concussed. Oh, yeah. Because you think about it, a guy like me, who I probably averaged my whole career about 165. Somewhere yeah, around. you played, man, you played light. I you played small. lean. I came in as a rookie, I was 155. Jeez. 
And it wasn't because I wasn't trying to gain weight. I just couldn't do it. I you mean, just had a great metabolism, and that was how your body was built. That's how my body was. But, you know, I could cover, I could play, I could run, and all that kind of stuff. And so, yep. Yep. Um, um, you, you know, you think about a guy that size. And, and, you know, backs in that day, you know, you had a lot of 230-pound backs running the ball. You had some beasts. Yeah, some beasts. And I remember, yeah. like in our division, you know, we had Eric Dickinson, 235, running like a deer. Yeah, <laughs> you know, Roger Craig, you're getting Roger a, a Craig and Raffman, and, Raffman yeah. and, and Frisco, George Rogers in New Orleans. Come oh, on, man. they had some bangers yeah. in New Orleans. Oh, and oh, oh, George. Yeah. Craig, Craig, I had Hayward, yeah, 60 running the ball in, in New Orleans, yeah. And so, so we, you, you had to, you had to perform, and so, um, you know, and, and you get hit, but I, I remember my last year in '92. I had a head-on collision in the Redskins game. Mm. Let me say Washington to be politically correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, me and uh, Eric Biner. Oh, yeah. Um, we had a head-on head collision, right? So what they did, they missed the personnel up because the Redskins were still running one back. And what they did, Mark Ripping was the quarterback. And what, oh, yeah. they were, what they were doing was they were playing with the personnel. So it's third down. I'm supposed to be in a game in nickel, right? But sometimes they'll come out and put the regular personnel in the game, but they'll yep. spread them out like a three-wide kind of like deal, right? Yeah, that, that was their groove back then. That was their groove. So they come in with regular personnel. It's passing situations, third and long. And what they do, they put they went two backs, Ernest Biner in the backfield, and guess what Guess what the nickel is playing? Yeah, run support. Mike, Mike linebacker. <laughs> right, so I'm, I'm playing linebacker, and it was a pass. I dropped in my little zone. And they just check down to Biner. And I'm running up 100 miles an hour. He turned around running. Bam, head-on-head collision. And I'm going to tell you something. I've never been the same since then. Wow. I was like the first month of um, September my, in 92, I had to change my helmets. Uh, I went from the old Rydell helmet. I got the bike helmet that was real padded and big. Mm -hmm. you know. And to be honest with you, um, part of it was probably my fault. I never wore a mouthpiece, right? Oh, yeah. And so I had to start wearing. I don't wearing know if a hit like that would have a mouthpiece would have helped. Well, no, yeah, I, really. I don't think so because after that I was never the same. Um, and I, I never forget I would be praying, Chris, so hard before games, Lord, please, please, please protect me because my head always felt like it was an eggshell at that. Oh man, felt like if you touched me in the head, I was gonna. Yeah, you, know, you got a, you got a nasty concussion that year. Man. I had a nasty concussion. You got out healthy and didn't suffer another one. Well, I tell you what I did though. Uh, uh, you know, of course, we played in the era of nobody sharing what their real pain was, right? Yeah. Because we played in that generation where you play hurt. Get a you shot, know, mask it, do whatever. Give me a shot, give me whatever it takes, and put me back out there, right? I never said anything to anybody after the game, right? Yeah. But there are some times when Coach Carr tried to put me in the game and I wouldn't go. And, and I, I will start this way. I say, Coach, if I go out there and play well, am I going to start next week? <laughs> he said, Bobby, I can't do that. I said, well, who do you want me to get ready to go in the game? <laughs> <laughs> you were smart. You were well beyond your years with that approach. <laughs> right, right, right. So I'll get somebody else. And that, and that was it though, for me, man. So, yeah. uh, it, well, 12 it, years, 12 years. What a tremendous career, man. Congrats. Well, th thank you, man. I, well, I really enjoyed it. But, you know, the most important thing or, or the thing that I, I love from all of that, Chris, was being able to talk to you now. And we laugh and we have a good time. Yeah. I can, I can be anywhere 
and think about you. I can think about anybody, and it brings a smile to my face. Uh, I'm telling you, I was on a show with Jamie Dukes and Dion a few a few months ago. Exactly right. You can touch with Chris Hinton and Mike Ken and, and oh, uh, you know, some of the other guys and great guys, man. Yeah, we've lost a few guys along the way too, which is sad. Yeah. But it's pretty special. I think we have a great appreciation for what we went through. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and, and as we mature and grow and get further away from it, I think you just appreciate your teammates even more and, oh, and, the, and the friendships, no doubt. Well, there's nothing like those friendships, that brotherhood. There's nothing like yes, it. Yes, brotherhood. Like it. You can't, you know, I've been doing this show almost three years now. And I'm going to tell you, Chris, that, you know, I get a lot of guys. I play with a lot of guys. In 12 years, you play with a lot. Of, you got a lot of teammates. Yeah. So yeah. You think about an NFL roster that changes them all the time. So there's a lot of guys I can talk to. You think about the four years in college, because back then everybody went to school for four, at least four years, right? Yep, no doubt, yep. So I got a lot of college teammates. I, you know, I played three years varsity football in high school. I got a lot of high school teammates. And I played youth football since the time I was nine years old. I'm, I'm never going to run out of guys to talk to. <laughs> That's never going to be an That's issue. One of the coolest things about Facebook, I think, is, is connecting against guys we used to play against. Oh, man. It's you know, so we might just like each other's texts or something or say, hey, man, you know what? I really appreciate you playing against you back in the day. I had a lot of respect for you. Oh, or whatever. Absolutely. That's been a great way to kind of keep everybody glued and connected together. And Absolutely. And uh, it's pretty cool, man. The, the, NFL, the NFL fraternity and football fraternity is it's really special. And it's uh, we all kind of went through something unique that not many people get to experience. Absolutely. Well, I tell you, during my time in high school back in South Florida in Palm Beach County, um, when I was a 10th grader, O.J. Anderson was the star running back in the state of Florida. Okay. He played in West Palm Beach at Forest Hills High School. Now, imagine that guy in high school. He was about 225 in high school. Mr. Thigh pads. Oh, man, just bruising people. (laughs) (laughs) He's just killing people. Uh, So, So I played against him as a 10th grader in high school. And then the next um, few years, a guy named Carlos Carson. I don't know if you remember that name. That sounds receiver, familiar. Wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember him well. Yeah. Great, great player. Um, played against him in high school. And, of course, uh, me and Ricky Jackson, uh, same class at Pahokee. You know, Daryl were in Pahokee. And, um, and then also um, the baby of the bunch, he was two years behind me at my senior year. He beat me out for player of the year in the county. He scored 36 touchdowns, man, from the wide receiver position. That's Anthony Carter, right? Oh, wow. AC number one. So so we had some dudes, man, and, and yeah. all in the same district. You guys turned out some dudes in oh, FLA now. Gosh, There's man. no, no I, I doubt. You, A lot and, of talent. And, and this is the funny thing. I can talk about those guys because you know them. There are some guys that was better than all of them that just didn't make it. Yeah. Think yep. about that, right? Oh. Yes. There's a guy that Ricky played with. Uh, Ricky played outside linebacker, but, you know, in high school we call it DN. Yeah, yeah. Ricky played on one side, but the guy who was opposite of him, put it this way, we ran at Ricky. We didn't run at Remus. Wow. He was like that, right? <laughs> so, yeah. Just yeah. didn't have the grades, didn't pan out, didn't work oh, out. He became, for so he, became much. A, he became a minister at a young age. He went oh, to, good for him. Yeah, he went to Georgia Tech and decided to go into full-time ministry. I bet his body feels a lot better than mine, yours, and Ricky. <laughs> Absolutely. You see him grabbing my shoulder right now. I'm sore, right? I'm sore sitting in this chair, man. <laughs> so, look, well, Chris, let us know real quick. Our time is coming almost to the end. 
but you've been coaching since you left the game as a player. Um, tell me about your career and what's going on with you now as where, where you are right now in coaching. I appreciate you asking. You know, I uh, when I left the pros, when I had my three-year hiatus from my ninth year in the NFL to when I went back and played with Denver, I took a three-year okay. break in there right. due to concussions. So one of my, my old high school offense coordinator, quarterback coach, got me into coaching a little bit back then. And okay. All right. so I coached with him. I never really thought about being a coach, you know, never mm-hmm. thought about it, really didn't have, have that mentality. Um, mm-hmm. So I got with him a little bit and really enjoyed it. He was just a great enthusiastic, energetic guy. So he's fun to be around. So I ended up coaching high school football for 19 years. Wow. And I think of those 19 years, I think I was a head coach for 13. Mm-hmm. And I was just up at Westland High School. I actually shut it down, Bobby, in January of this year. So I'm not coaching. This is my first free fall since oh, 1981. Wow. Man, awesome. Yeah. So Justin Herbert's dad's a good buddy of mine, the quarterback for the uh, oh, yeah. So we went back and watched the Chargers play at Kansas City. Wow. Thursday night football about three weeks ago. Right. And I'm going to go to the Arkansas BYU game here in a couple of weeks. So I'm going to be a fan this year and kind of travel around. But That's cool. Man. Won That's a couple cool. state titles in high school. Uh, just had a great career. I don't know, 130, 125, 130 games or something as a high school coach. But I really didn't have that. Those weren't my goals. I think I had a great coaching staff. I had a bunch of, you know, former NFL players mm-hmm. that I coached with Anthony Newman, who we played against, who was a safety with the Rams on oh, my staff. Exactly. Damon Griffin was an NFL wide receiver. And so mm-hmm. I had I had a great staff. So mm-hmm. it was fun to be around mm-hmm. those guys and be around the room. And I think we had in my uh, seven or eight years at Westland High School, we had about 50 kids get scholarship mm-hmm. offers. Awesome, man. So, yeah, so that development in athletes was important. We had a lot of talent going through there. And we were 77 and 16, I think, in my in my wow. That's seasons. And then during COVID, I had a state championship team we went 6-0 with. We weren't able to play all 14 games. But wow. so it was fun, man. I had a great time. And in between there, I, I was the offense coordinator, quarterback coach in the XFL Professional League right. in 2020 with our good friend June Jones. Uh, with the Houston Roughnecks, man, we were five and zero, five and zero, and halfway through the season, had a two-game lead on everybody, and right. and then that Friday, uh, COVID hit, and yeah. San Francisco, or uh, the the LA team wasn't going to travel up to Seattle because it was real prominent COVID mm-hmm. on that Friday, and that kind of shut down the league, and and uh, yeah. so then I went back and luckily got back at the same high school that I was at. Wow. So wow. I'm close to my parents now. I'm like five minutes from my parents, kind of keeping That's an eye cool. on them. They're yeah. older. Absolutely. I'm doing some good philanthropy work here in Eugene, Oregon, for That's the right. Eugene Mission, which is a group uh, mm-hmm. that helps uh, men and women with the life change programs. You know, those folks that have had addiction or mental health mm-hmm. issues. Awesome. So I'm trying to do some of the Lord's work like you do mm-hmm. and pay mm-hmm. forward and, mm-hmm. and help some folks do some philanthropy and help, you know, make That's my cool. town, my hometown a better place. So the good That's Lord. Cool, That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. I love it, man. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to be praying for you with that, man, because. Yeah, that's good work, man. You, yeah, you know, it's I mean, important. It's important it's, to give back. It's important. It's important work, and it's important to give back. And you know, just to be, you know, somebody who loves mankind, right? Amen. Amen. Just Hallelujah. And and, and <laughs> pick somebody off the floor if they're on the floor, right? So well, we can lift people up with the platform where we've been. Oh, you know, absolutely. And we can. We have a good platform to to help others and pay it forward. And absolutely. Yes, I'm blessed to be able to do that and be close to my parents. They're still both living, possibly 91 in October. Yeah, out of here, man. Actually, we're in about three weeks. Wow. And mom's is 83, so they're very grateful that I'm back living close to That's them. Cool, man. Yeah, That's I got, cool. got a workout in this morning and 
my dog, my seven-month-old dog, is sitting out back waiting for me to feed him and play a little bit and watch some Monday Night Football here. Hey, there you go, man. Well, listen, yeah. man, we're so thankful to have you on the show. You know, one of these one of these Mondays, what we got to do, I got to get Dre. I've been trying to run Dre down. Oh, okay. If I, if I can get your well, I can get your guys together. I'm gonna call you again. And say, look, I got Mike. I got Dre. Oh, that'd be sweet. Let's just chop it up a little bit, right? <laughs> I saw Michael Haynes a few months back with Jesse Tuggle, Robert Lyles, and Jerry Glanville when we did a, a 30-year reunion. Right. Matter of fact, I was, I was supposed to be there, but I thought I was going to be going over to Israel. Oh. Um, okay. and, and the trip got canceled, man. I was like, you got to go. Oh, that's too bad. And it was a great show. I saw you guys. It was a great show. I may get out there for the L.A. Charger at Atlanta game. Two Oregon quarterbacks, Justin okay. Herbert and Marcus Mariota. So that's right. That's right. That's if right. I do, I'll hit you up. I think that's early November, like November okay. 6th. Well, well, I'll be here. Give me a call, man. Give me we'll a call. for sure. Hey, I, 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 I like the Chargers quarterback. He yeah, Justin, like, he's got a chance. If he stays healthy, I think he'll be a gold see. jacket guy. He, he's the real deal. Yeah, and he's a great human being. A wonderful, young really? man. Wow. Yeah, wonderful young man. Yeah, wonderful young man. That, that makes me feel good when you say that. Before we end our show today, we'd like to mention one more time, this show is presented by Bet Online. Yeah. Listen, man, that's our show for tonight. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, we had the great Chris Miller on with us. If you like the show, comment, share it with your friends. This is your host, Bobby Butler, and special guest, legendary Chris Miller from the University of Oregon. Go Ducks! Aloha from the West Coast. Bobby B, great seeing you, brother. Thanks for having me on, man. Always, man. Appreciate you so much. Yep, you too. Love you. Be good. Love you. God bless you. What is your favorite moment from football history? What teams and players are you cheering on? And who will win it all? We want to hear from you, our listeners. Head over to 100 Yards of Football Sports Talk Radio's Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch and leave us a comment. We might use your suggestion in an upcoming episode. Tune in daily to the podcast and watch our show live every week. We are 100 Yards of Football Sports Talk Radio on the Believe Podcast Network. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.